Hey everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Steve's NRL Footy Tips SFT and we are officially halfway through the NRL season for 2020. We have a huge show coming your way today, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to be looking through each of the 16 teams in the NRL uh, and rating their 2020 season from an A to F scale like you'll do in a school exam. We're going to look at the team of the year so far, uh, the midpoint team of the year I'm going to name who I think has been the best in each and every position. And we're also going to look at my predicted ladder uh, for the end of the regular season in 2020. Uh, it's a Tuesday un afternoon. I'm unwinding after a long day. Um, usually how the show would work is I'd go through each of the games on the uh, for the round, for the upcoming weekend ahead of football. Uh, but if you guys are after that, if you just after my tips, I completely understand. I'm probably not going to be going into that until the last 15 to 20 minutes of the show. So if you'd like to... Uh, skip over there and listen to my tips for round 11, which I'm definitely going to get into. Um, skip right ahead. But as I said, this show is more of a special event. It's a recap uh, edition of Steve's NRL Footy Tips today. Speaking of which, uh, speaking of recapping, let's look through the results for round 10. And it wasn't a great week of footy tipping for me in this podcast. Uh, we're going to start on Thursday nights. It was the Sydney Roosters taking on the Canberra Raiders. Uh, I did tip the Roosters in that game, but it was the Canberra Raiders uh, winning the grand final rematch 24-20 in my prediction. I did say they'd be up for a fight, and they'd be uh, really stepping up for the grand final rematch. They did more than that. They actually beat the Roosters in a uh, a game where the Roosters were not uh, you know, not at their best, uh, but it was a huge effort, the Raiders, with the amount of injuries they've got to get up in that game. In the second game of the weekend, uh, it was the Storm versus the Gold Coast Titans. I tipped the Storm by plenty, I think by 30 exactly. Uh, they did end up winning by 36. It was the flogging of the Gold Coast Titans. The Storm winning that game 42-6. Speaking of floggings, the second game of Friday Night Football was also that. And, and it was an embarrassing effort by the Brisbane Broncos, which we're going to get into later, uh, where the Tigers uh, destroyed them 48-0 uh, to put Anthony Seaboyd's job under real sorts of pressure, which we're going to get into again later on uh, on this show. I did tip the Tigers in that game, so that made me two from three. Uh, to start the round, we got into the uh, the Saturday games, and it was the Dragons surviving uh, a scare against the Bulldogs, scoring a last-minute try to win that game, 28-22, to after they were sailing, uh, winning that game 10-0 before the Bulldogs scored 22 unanswered points. I did the Dragons in that game, which made me free from four. The rest of Super Saturday, however, and you know how much I love my Super Saturday, but it didn't really go my way this week. I tipped the Rabbitohs to beat the Knights, uh, they did lose that game 20-18. to 18. The Rabbitohs looked out and gone with 20 minutes left. They were down 20-0 before a late comeback. And for a minute there, I thought the Rabbitohs could have stolen the game. Wasn't to be. The Knights won 20-18. That made me free from five for the week. And at 7.30 in the upset of the week, um, the Manly Seagulls defeated the Parramatta Eels 22-18. Eels definitely weren't at their best. Manly were fighting really hard and really desperate in, in defense, uh, missing some of their big guns still to injury. I tipped the Eels in that game, maybe three from six for the weekend. Uh, speaking of upsets, I tipped the upset of the Warriors to be Cronulla on Sunday, and that definitely didn't happen. The Sharks ended up flogging them 46-10. I had my doubts about Cronulla after that loss to Penrith, but they looked to get back to their best uh, last Sunday. So I was three from seven heading into the final game of the weekend, and the Panthers didn't do it easy against the Cowboys, but they managed to win that game 22-10, which made me four from eight for the weekend. Not a great weekend at all, and we're really running out of time to tip that perfect round, uh, but hopefully I can get there for the rest of the season. Uh, so again, guys, 2020, it's been an up and down rocky year in terms of the world with COVID and everything that's going on. It's been a, 
a crazy roller coaster year and it has been no different in the NRL. I am tipping upsets each and every week, uh, which might be smart not not be smart um, because obviously upsets don't always happen. But they seem to be happening this year. It's just that I'm picking the wrong ones. Instead of tipping mainly to beat the Eels, I'm tipping the Warriors to beat the Sharks. So I need to be better, and hopefully I can get a perfect round. It does take my total, uh, which I almost forgot about, it does take my total for the year uh, up to 53 correct, which if you divide that by 10 is 5.3 a week. Uh, well off where I want to be of an average of at least 6 a week in my footy tips. So as I said, this would be the, usually be the part where I'd get into the weekend's uh, football action. If you guys would like to skip to that point, please fast forward um, to that point or skip. I know the podcast, you don't really fast forward, but uh, please move along to that section if you don't want to hear my recap of the mid-season review, but I highly recommend it. It's going to be very entertaining when I look back at the season so far. But before we do so, before we get into my team of the year, which I'm going to lead off uh, this season in review with, uh, please remember to like this video, uh, like the Facebook page, Steve's NRL Footy Tips, if you haven't, uh, and please rate and subscribe to anywhere you may listen to this podcast, whether it be on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast slash iTunes. Uh, so thank you guys for listening each and every week, and we're going to go straight into the team of the year for 2020. Uh, let's get to it. So if you guys do follow Steve's NRL Footy Tips, if you like the page or follow the page on Facebook, you would see that I do a team of the week, Steve's NRL Team of the Week, every single week on either Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, where I recap the weekend and uh, pick the best performers that I thought uh, were exceptional for their team's effort. I've been making a team of the list since about 2013, uh, personally, on my personal Facebook page, and I've just been doing it for fun. I love doing it, um, and... It's just great to uh, examine and uh, you know start a conversation about who I think uh, was in the team of the week. A lot of people would disagree usually with it, but it's uh, great to have conversations with people uh, like Jared Luck and Josh Duncan and all those guys that uh, regularly comment and let me know their opinions, which is great to see. Uh, so in saying that, uh, usually I also post a team of the year uh, because I've started this podcast. I've actually got a midpoint team of the season now, let me start by saying this is a very tough list to make. Uh, a lot of players have played exceptional in a lot, and at some positions in particular, very hard to choose uh, who made what spot. However, I'm making this list uh, due to what I think as of today, by the end of the season, this team could be completely different. No one could make it um, with a lot of players in good form. They could step up for the rest of the season. Of course, you got the finals as well to come. Um... But this is my team as of today. We're going to start with the fullback position. Please let me know what you guys think in the comments. Uh, send me a message. Anything that you'd like. Give me feedback on today's video, by the way. Uh, today's podcast on the midpoint season uh, conversation. Anything that you guys would like to point out and anything you disagree with, uh, please let me know. But starting at fullback uh, in Steve's NRL team of the year, halfway through round tw uh, 2020, sorry. Um, James Tedesco is my fullback of the year, and he was... Uh, one of a couple of options. I mean, he is the reigning Dalian medalist of the year, and uh, especially in the last month or two of football uh, since the season restarted, he's been back to his blistering best every time the Roosters look to be in an attacking position. He's always there, always ready to strike. Um, he beat out contenders like Clint Gufson and Kalen Ponga, who have both been in tremendous form in 2020. Clint Gufson has been such a reliable player at the back for the Eels, and Kalen Ponga, 
Um, White, his last couple, it was, well, it was great to see him get back to his best on the weekend against the Rabbitohs. He did have a couple of quiet weeks uh, where a lot of teams were kicked to the sidelines and bashed him around a bit. But uh, at the first five or six rounds of the competition, he just lit the competition up and it was absolutely outstanding. Um, and he's a big reason why Newcastle are going so well in 2020 and why they could be a force come finals time. Uh, but as I said, it's hard to go past James Tedesco. He might, he's the best fullback in the world right now. He might be the best player in the world right now. Um, and he's got a real big chance of going uh, back-to-back in the Dalian medalist, uh, which is the NRL's best player. So James Tedesco, as I said, every time the Roosters are in an attack of opportunity, he's there. He's ready. He's looking to make an opportunity. And a lot of times you'll see it. Uh, he scores plenty of tries himself, but he also sets up plenty of tries, and his kick returns are outstanding. He's also actually a very handy defender as well, if anyone does make a break. Uh, underrated part of his game is defense. But James Tedesco... Uh, the New South Wales Australian and Roosters fullback is my fullback uh, for the midpoint point uh, midway point of the year. Moving on to the wingers now, and this one was actually a tough one. There was a couple guys in contention, like CEO and Katoa um, was really up there. But with this one and a couple other guys, uh, Dan Gay guy's been in tremendous form wherever he's been uh, in the wing position or the centre position for the Rabbitohs in the past month. Um, but in this position, I've gone with two reliable veterans. One of them uh, might be in the form of his career, and that's saying a lot considering he's had such a long career, and that is Brett Morris. Been absolutely outstanding for the Roosters in the past two years, but particularly this, particularly this season, um, in blistering form, um, especially since his brother, Josh Morris, came over from the Cronulla Sharks after round two as the season recommenced in round three. Um, Brett Morris scored plenty of tries, created opportunities. There's some games where the Roosters uh, struggled uh, and weren't at their best, that James, uh, that Brett Morris was their best player and almost single-handedly got him over the line, which is interesting to say because they've got so many star players, the Roosters, the likes of Tedesco, Keary, all these guys. Um, but Brett Morris, running strong, uh, running strong every time he gets the ball. He's always taking the pressure off um, the forwards, trying to get metres out of the dummy half. He's been roaming in the field, and he's really creating a lot of opportunities. And as I said... He might be in career best form, which, you know, he was fantastic when he used to play for the Blues and play for the Dragons in the early, in his early career, 2009-2010 under Wayne Bennett. His form was outstanding, but um, he's even got an interview saying that he's enjoying his football the most at any point in his career, and he wants to play on in 2021, only if it's at the Roosters and only if it's with his brother, brother Josh. Um, so hopefully he does, because he's outstanding, and I'm calling for him to play New South Wales. Hopefully he comes out of retirement, because... I know we've got two rival wingers in Ferguson and Josh Adokar, but Brett Morris could really add some spark to the Blues and try to get them uh, three in a row victories. My other winger is David Norfoluma. Um, he has been absolutely outstanding for the Tigers. He's the only Tigers in my list also, by the way. Obviously, Tedesco from the Roosters, Brett Morris from the Roosters. So two Roosters so far in the team of the year, uh, the midpoint addition. Tiger has made the list, which might be a little bit shocking, but David Norfoluma, fantastic form. Um... Katoa uh, from the Sharks, you know, Katoa, also been in great form, but no matter whether the Tigers are losing by 30 or winning by 30, Norfolk is always uh, very consistent. He always makes over 200 metres. He's always there um, running down kick kick chases and, you know, going back to de- defend. And he's just an outstanding player, David Norfolk In my opinion, one of the most underrated players in the NRL. Moving on to the centres, uh, this one has two up-and-comers that I put in the team. And really, when I thought about it, there wasn't much competition. I thought of these guys straight away. Um, They might be a little bit controversial because they are so young. Uh, But Bradman Best is one of the centers. He's in the number three position 
uh, for me from Newcastle, obviously. Uh, outstanding uh, young kid who made his debut at the back end of last season when the Knights were really struggling. Uh, this season, he's really made that centre position his own. Uh, outstanding form. Um, obviously, with Lachlan forgiven, with his given coming back, um, returning to football in the past month, he's a very different player to what he was used to playing outside of. So he was quiet for a couple of weeks there, but he's come back to his best form. And the speed of this kid, the heart, the defence, um, he's the full package. And I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. So Bradman Best is my centre of the year at this point, uh, along with this other gentleman um, from a team that has struggled at points in 2020, the St. George Illinois Dragons. Zach Lomax has been an absolute standout. Uh, he's a very excited kid. I said to my mates about a week ago, I said that he might be a New South Wales um, contender in the next couple of seasons. He's that good, and uh, his defence is really shining, and he's really getting a lot of attacking opportunities at the moment. The, the try that he set up for uh, Matt Dufty in the first minute of that game against the Bulldogs, where he got under the bomb, was outstanding, and uh, he's their most their, their, he's their most promising young player, the Dragons, and he's probably the best player on their back line. Um, absolutely outstanding form, Zach Lomax. Moving on to the halves, and the 5-8 position had a few contenders, um, but it really came down to two contenders for me, and that was... Uh, that was Dylan Brian versus Luke Keary. I've gone Luke Keary, um, and it's just because uh, when the Roosters are winning, Keary is usually the orchestrator. Uh, Kyle Flanagan's been really good for him this season, take away nothing away from him, and he was definitely a contender for my halfback of the year. But Luke Keary, uh, man, talk about a professional. I mean, he's been criticised in the past for being too small um, and not and just not... Uh, having that mental toughness, but toughness, but don't get us wrong. He is, uh, he's an outstanding player. He's won three premierships now, one at the Rabbitohs, the last two at the Roosters, and he's really uh, taken the leadership role in the half since Cooper Cronk has retired. And uh, a lot of the players really gather around Luke Keary. As I said, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's been on the cast of Origin for a few years. He's the Dallium, I believe, but Dallium five eight from last season. Um, and some playing some outstanding football. So he's my 5-8 of the year. Jack Wyden was another one that came in contention as well. But uh, Luke Keary, his form when the Roosters are winning, even when they're not winning, uh, Luke Keary's always dangerous when he has the football in his hand and he's making opportunities happen. He's got a really good kicking game uh, for his wingers like Daniel Tupo as well. So um, in the half position, for my opinion, there was only one, other than Kyle Flanagan, who I said was a contender, there's only one person that was ever going to get this role, and that was Nathan Cleary. He did miss round three and four uh, from a COVID discretion. Obviously, he wasn't social distancing, and we all know the story if you watch rugby league there. Um, but since he's come back, you can really see, even in the first two rounds, you can really see that um, he has a point to prove, and he wants to really make this Pen- Penrith number seven his own. Um, since James Maloney has left, he's really matured as a player and is really taking a leadership role in the Penrith Panthers playing group. And it's really great to see uh, by Cleary. Um, and he's just going to get better, better with age. He's only 21 or 22 years old. Um, he's been the New South Wales uh, halfback for the last two seasons now. And in my opinion, he's got to be the favourite to win the Dalian Medal of the Year. I mean, every time Penrith are winning, uh, just like on the weekend, he's their best player. I mean, on the weekend, you look at that game and... It was four all at halftime. Penrith were struggling a little bit, and the Cowboys actually got a lead with one of their young kids going over and scoring a try. So it was ten to four, um, you know, just after halftime that game. And then Nathan Cleary really stood up. Uh, he put the game into his own hands, and he really made the most of his opportunities. He created a, 
a number of opportunities. Scored a try himself near the end there, and uh, absolutely outstanding. When Penrith are winning, it's because of Nathan Cleary. He's that good, and it's just going to continue to be better, which is great news for the Penrith Panthers and the New South Wales Blues. Moving on to the forwards now, which obviously um, are my favourite position because when I was a kid, I always played in the forwards, and I love love watching the forwards play. I love the hard-working athletes out there. Um, and the front row, uh, there's a lot of contenders for the front rows. Guys like Daniel Saifidi, David Clamont Jr., Paulo, surprisingly, and a lot of New South Wales Blues players again, but they were all outstanding uh, this season. They've been really good. James Fisher-Harris, another one. Tom Burgess has been in really good form. Uh, for the Rabbitohs, Paul Vaughan, another player in very good form as well. Um, but for me, I put in uh, Regan, Cam- Regan Campbell-Gillard for the Eels. In my season prediction video, I said that he could really add a lot of fire pack to, his forwards, uh, to the Eels forwards, and I think he has done that, and he's been outstanding for them. Um, a great signing on the weekend against the Manly Seagulls and that loss at Parramatta, that uncharacteristic Eels performance. Regan Campbell-Gillard was easily the best player, making over 300 metres. Um, he really adds another dimension to this Eels uh, this Eels defence and attack. I mean, that spark um, with those early game hit-ups. I mean, the first 20, 25 minutes of the games, Regan Campbell-Gillard's always taken, taken it up and making as many metres as he can in his first stint. Usually makes 100, 150 metres plus. Then he comes on for a second stint um, in the sec- like midway through the second half for the last 20, 25 minutes of the game, and he's just as effective. He can break the game open. Good tackle. His defense has really improved, I reckon, this season, and he's definitely a potential boulder for New South Wales. And here's my uh, one of my props of the year so far, the other bloke being Payne Huss from the Brisbane Broncos. And uh, when I was making this list, I was like, surely no Broncos make this, this list because the Broncos have been pathetic in 2020, let's be honest. I'm going to get into another ring, I'm sure when I go over the season review a little, a little bit later on this show, but Payne Huss, um, the exception to the rule, I completely forgot about him when I was thinking uh, of you know the fact that no Broncos could make my team because every single week, the effort that he brings, whether it's in attack, whether it, you know there's games where he make 300 plus metres, then there's games like uh, on Friday night against the Tigers, they're losing 48-0, and guess who's making 50-55 tackles? It's Payne Huss, he's a very hard worker, he's only a young kid at 19, and uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I feel sorry for it because for him because no matter how bad Brisbane are playing, he's always out there giving 100%. There's a couple of guys like that for the Broncos, whether it be guys like Alex Glenn or Patrick Carrigan. These guys are always trying their hearts out, but uh, unfortunately, um, you can't be the same can't be said about some of their teammates and um, and Payne Huss. I mean, I'm sure when the Dalian medals do come at the end of the year and when I make him my list at the end of the year, I'm sure he's going to be my team of the year because. He's an absolute star, Payne Huss, and he's only going to get better in the future. In my second row positions, uh, I've got two guys that, uh, well, one of them, Ryan Madison in the 12 position from Parramatta. He's come to a new club, uh, just like Regan Campbell-Gillard, and really added a lot of firepower to this Eels outfit. Uh, absolutely outstanding season. They did lose the Eels on Saturday night. Ryan, Patterson, uh, Ryan Madison was not a part of that loss. Um, he just adds so much in defense, and he knows how to score a trial or two as well. Um, he's, a, he's a dangerous weapon uh, on that left side of their attack, and uh, he really adds another element in attack, and obviously he's a reliable defender as well. Ryan Madison's been outstanding this season, um, and so has the other bloke, Angus Crichton from the Roosters. Boyd Cordner, of course, uh, has had a, a lot of injuries uh, in the last 12 months, and Angus Crichton's really stepped up there for the Roosters. 
Another player that's very dangerous in attack. He's got good footwork, uh, Angus Crichton, but also a guy that can make 40 to 50 tackles a game. And it's good to see him get back to his best form because I know he's injured for four to six weeks. So that might potentially take him out of contention for the team of the year. We'll see when we get there. But in my opinion, he's been one of the best uh, one of the best players, uh, one of the best second rolls of the year without a doubt. Um, I didn't say my contenders uh, for the second row position. I thought these those two are far and away the best, personally, in my opinion. Um, but also worth noting, guys like... Let me have a think. Guys like Nathan Brown, when he's been on the field for the Eels, has been really good, um, even though he's more of a lock. Jake Sharoyevich, again, more of a lock as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I I think those two have been the best. Takiyaho's been really good in the forwards, where he's playing for the Roosters as well, so... Definite contenders, all those guys, um, which leads me to my lock position. Um, I'll get to Hooker in a sec because I just realised I forgot Hooker um, as I'm filming this live. As I said, it's been a long day, um, but I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. But in my lock position, ahead of guys like Dale Fanukin, who's such a hard worker, Jason Tarnalola, you always know there's going to be outstanding, and Cam Murray uh, for the Rabbitohs, who's getting back to his best form as well um, since he's moved back to that lock position. My lock of the year is actually Isaiah Yeo. And let me tell you something about Isaiah Yeo. He has uh, been a reliable player for Penrith for years, but this year he's gone to a different level. Outstanding uh, in attack and defense. He's really added another element to Penrith's attack. He's a reliable workhorse. You always know what you're going to get. And I don't think he gets the props that he's due. Here's my lock of the year. Isaiah Yeo, absolutely outstanding. Which leads me to the hooker of the year. And maybe the reason I forgot it when I went for my props to my second row is because this was easily the hardest uh, the hardest decision to make for me. I mean, there's four guys, uh, apart from Josh Hodgson, who, of course, suffered, unfortunately, a season-ending injury there. And the Raiders haven't been the best form in 2020. But four guys that have really been at the top of their game um, over the last 12 to 24 months. And that's Cameron Smith, Damien Cook. Harry Grant, and Appy Corusia. Um And Damien Cook, uh, I ruled him out in the New South Wales hooker. He's one of my favorite players in the NRL, but I ruled him out due to the fact that he did have a very slow start to the season, um, but he's really getting back to some of his best forms. And he, he almost carried Rabbitohs, sing, uh, so the South Sydney Rabbitohs to a victory on the weekend, a comeback victory against the Newcastle Knights, scoring two tries. He's really starting to find room at a dummy half and you always know he's going to make 40 to 50 tackles, but he struggled a little bit with the uh, new rules, uh, with the quicker tempo of the game, because the Rabbitohs, in general, have been struggling a little bit more, a little bit with the, the quick tempo. Um, but it's good to see him get into some of his best football. You know what you're going to get uh, with Cam, Cam Smith. He's the orchestrator of the whole Melbourne attack and defense. He's always out there making tackles, and anytime there's something going on attack, Cameron Smith's going to, bo- uh, going to bust the game open at any time. You just know... Um, that when the Storm are winning, which they win a lot, Cameron Smith's always a star. So another fantastic season for Cameron Smith. And at the moment, he could go for another three to four years if he wanted to. He's that good. Harry Grant has been an absolutely outstanding buy uh, for the Tigers. Uh, he's been very, very reliable, uh, very consistent, and really added a new layer to their attack as well. Outstanding uh, from dummy half. He's a real creative genius He's going to be a superstar of the game, but I'm actually giving Hooker of the Year to Appis, uh, Hooker, the midway point of the year, the year so far, to Appy Corsia. Absolutely outstanding signing by Penrith. Probably the signing of the year, in my opinion, without a doubt. The consummate professional has been outstanding uh, for Penrith. He's really taken some pressure off Cleary. Even though Cleary's playing outstanding form, he's given Cleary a lot of freedom by taking some of that playmaking pressure off him. Dynamic uh, attacking Hooker. 
um, can make a lot of meters very quickly. He's a very fast player off the mark, and his defense is outstanding. So Appy Corsia is my hook of the year. The bench, which I'm not going to get into real reasons um, because I've gone through it during this. Obviously, I forgot um, one of the contenders for the second row because I've got Tohu Harris, who's been in outstanding form for the Warriors side that's been very disappointing, but great form there. Um, I've got Dylan Brown, who's going to be up there with uh, the best 5'8s of the year, and with no doubt, he's, even his game's gone up to, he's missing Moses a little bit, but his game's just going to strength from strength, um, and he gets Moses back this week as well, which is going to be really good. James Fisher-Harris from Penrith. Reliable workhorse, um, absolutely outstanding season, and Kalen Ponga is my 17. Um, as I said, outstanding start to the season. It's good to see him get back to some of his best football. So to recap my team of the year, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it because it was a little bit wandered out and a bit long there. But at fullback, we've got James Tedesco. On the wings, Brett Morris and David Northaluma. In the centers, Bradman Best and Zach Lomax. The halves are Luke Keary and Nathan Cleary. My props are Regan Campbell-Gillard and Payne Huss. My hooker is Appy Corosia. My second rollers are Angus Crichton and Ryan Madison. My lock of the year so far is Isaiah Yo, And my bench is Tohu Harris, Dylan Brown, James Fisher-Harris, and Caelan Ponga. To recap, there was four Roosters in that side, four Penrith Panthers, three Eels, two Knights, one Dragon, one Tiger, one Bronco, and one Warrior. Noticeably, uh, in the top four of the Melbourne Storm, they had no players in my team of the year. Um, but, as I said, they, they, they had an outstanding side. They're definitely going to be there in the finals, but it just shows you how much of a team effort it is for the Storm. Um, three guys, I did make a 20-man squad. Three guys that were very unlucky that almost made the team of the year was uh, Cameron Smith, Joshua Parley, and Jay Trojevic. But I hope you guys enjoyed my team of the year so far. If you guys enjoy that, please check out my team of the weeks that I post every Monday on Steve's NRL Footy Tips Facebook page. Anyway, we're going to move on now to me grading each of the individual team's efforts for 2020 so far in this special edition of Steve's NRL Footy Tips. As I said, guys, I hope you're enjoying the special edition of Steve's NRL Footy Tips for this weekend, the midpoint of the season reviews, the midway uh, point of the season. We're going to now move on to me rating every team from A to F um, for their their season in 2020. And this goes off expectations that we all had for each of these teams at the start of the season. Um, so you might see that I'm harsh on some teams that obviously people expected to be world beaters and have been terrible. And you might see some teams that have been, you know, near the bottom of the ladder that I've actually rated a little bit higher because the expectation wasn't so high on these teams. But we're going to jump straight into it now. We're going to go from descending to ascending. And I've got two teams that I rated an F this season. And if you guys have been watching Rugby League this year, you probably know the two teams that I'm talking about. I'm going to go with the most disappointing team first. I'm going to move upwards from that. And obviously the most disappointing team, we've had a question, we've had a shadow of a doubt in my mind, is the Brisbane Broncos. And I'm not going to, I'm trying not going to try not to make this rant uh, too long, but we all know uh, the situation with the Broncos at the moment. Absolute disgraceful performance. Really uh, cemented it last week against the Tigers, 48-0. They've also lost to the Roosters, uh, 59-0. They lost to the Eels last year, 58-0. There's been bad performance after bad performance for the Broncos. And uh, Anthony Seaboard's got a lot of pressure on on him like he should. Um, they're a disgrace, in my opinion. This might be sounding too harsh, but I reckon they're an absolute disgrace to the Bruce Broncos jersey. Uh, this is a team that had six premiership wins under the coach of coaching of Wayne Bennett, who the club kicked out and uh, have been so quick to uh, 
play the name uh, the blame game and putting the blame on Wayne Bennett for the situation they're currently in, even Wayne, no Wayne Bennett left in a pretty solid uh, top eight foundation position um, two years ago. But they've been quick to play the name uh, the blame the blame game on Wayne Bennett. But he won of six premierships in their first twenty years in the comp. Uh, since then, they've made one grand final, and that's when Wayne Bennett came back for his second stint at the club. Um, and and these guys have just uh, so many legends has played for the Brisbane Broncos, and the team currently is there's some guys that are really putting effort in every week, which I f- feel sorry for guys like Alex Glenn, who has unfortunately injured himself again, Payne Huss, Patrick Carrigan, those guys that I mentioned a little bit earlier, but. Most of the team really needs to take a hard look at themselves, and some of them are just not up to first grade standard. The fact that Darius Boyd and Anthony Milford, I don't want to single those two guys yet, but the fact that they keep making the side every week is an absolute disgrace. Anthony Seaboard has been told that he has to win, uh, at least if you believe the reports on Daily Telegraph anyway, that he has to win five out of his remaining 10 games to be the coach of 2021, yet he's not making the tough decisions. I mean, it was a little bit of a big decision to put Milford in at fullback. We're going to get into more of that later when I review uh, preview that game. Um, against the Storm that the Broncos have on Friday night. But he's putting back the fullback, but he hasn't dropped him. And honestly, I mean, I don't know where the Broncos go from here. They need a complete clean out. They need to go for a bunch of young guys for the rest of the year. Things can only get better shortly, but the next 10 weeks could be really rough for the Broncos. They are an F for me. Um, I, I can't believe how angry I get because when the, as I said, when the Broncos are going good, Queensland's going good. Uh, in terms of rugby league, and the whole uh, NRL is going good. So we want the Broncos back to their best, but they are a long way off at the moment, and they get an F, and uh, if I give lower than an F, I give a G or an F minus minus, whatever, I'd give the Broncos that because they've been extremely disappointing in 2020. Moving on to the team, the other team that's got an F, and that is the Canterbury Bulldogs, who are obviously very low on the ladder. Um, they are 16th. They've only won one game all year against the St. George or Dragons. Um they won that game 22-2 a long time ago. And since then, they've lost six games in a row. They've sacked their coach, Dean Pay. It wasn't improved in performance on the weekend. But overall, the season has been terrible. Um, they they've, they led in 24.2 game, uh, points, an average of 24.2 points in a week. They've only scored 116 points all season. Um, this, their forward pack is solid and they are trying each and every week but they just lack the attacking sparks to really put teams under uh, opponents under any pressure their halves aren't up to standard in my opinion um, Foran the veteran hasn't had his best season since coming back from injury and they keep changing their spine and I don't know if it's particularly working the injury to Will Hobwiley doesn't help either obviously the rumours that Trent Barrett's going to sign with the Bulldogs in the coming days will see them dramatically different in 2021, but at the moment, the Bulldogs in all sorts of trouble. They get an F. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on them. Um, there's some positives. Obviously, they got Luke Thompson from the Super League, um, and obviously, their future is going to be very different. They've got 2 to $3 million to spend uh, in a checkbook, apparently, if you believe the rumors, and Nick Kotrick, uh, very reliable and up-and-coming winger from the Raiders, have signed the Bulldogs for season 2021. So, they're on the up, the Bulldogs, but uh, it's going to be a, a big climb, and I think 2020 is safe to say that it's a write-off after being 1 out of 10 in the first half of 2020. All right, so those are my two Fs. We're going to move on to the Ds now. There's actually a fair few uh, teams with the rating of a D. We're going to start with the only D- minus on my list, and that is the North Queensland Cowboys, who get a D- minus from me. And uh, the Cowboys, they on... 
Uh, on Monday, they yesterday, they did sack their coach, Paul Green. Uh, they're going to go with Josh Henne, the interim coach, the assistant coach for the rest of the season, uh, before they look at their options and really take their time to get a new head coach. And I think it's the right move. They've needed a change for a long time. The Cowboys, they've really fallen from grace from that team that won the green final five years ago. They went on a miracle run to make the 2017 green final, the Cowboys. But since then, they have been very disappointing. Um... Obviously, the retirement or one of the greatest players of all time didn't help, but uh, that's no excuse this season. Um, their forwards uh, are solid. Guys like Josh McGuire and Tom Lola, you always know what you're going to get with those guys, but they just seem to really drop off in games um, defensively, and their attack at times um, hasn't been great. Really, most of the time, it hasn't been great. They've scored 205 points, which is more than a lot of teams, but they really have not been troubling teams for a while. Um, they've won out of, uh, they've lost their last three in a row. Um, they're one win, four losses away from Queensland as well. So, um, not a great season for the Cowboys. Their spine always being different, whether it be Drinkwater and Jay Clifford, they've really tried to, um, make up for the loss of Michael Morgan. Um, but they're, let's be honest, they're fringe first graders at the moment until they really develop and they're both young kids. So definitely Ken Dunn's coming to the side in the last couple of weeks as well and, same can be said about him. Promising future, but not the time um, that the Cowboys... Well, not the t- well, they're going to get better from their experience, but not really what the Cowboys want at the moment. They want some wins on the board. Obviously, they've had excuses because their captain and chief playmaker Morgan's been injured, and Valentine Holmes has been seriously injured as well. Uh, but it's been a very disappointing season from all accounts. Uh, by the Cowboys, a lot of teams, a lot of people and predictors, punters and predictors predicted the Cowboys to make the top eight this year, and I just don't see that happening from this point. Uh, they are three out of ten, so pretty disappointing, the Cowboys there. Moving on to the... Who do I have next? Uh, I've got two teams that are rated a D, and we're going to start with the first one. That is the New Zealand Warriors. They are three wins, and... Seven losses uh, to start their season. Three out of ten. Um, their their early form after the uh, resumption of the season. They started the year off. They were zero and two. They uh, were pretty good when the season um, started back up, um, and they were getting some nice wins against the likes of the Cowboys there, um, and a couple of other sides like the Dragons, I believe, as well. But uh, overall, it's been a very disappointing year. You can't put too much blame on the Warriors, as I've said many times on the podcast during the year. They've got a really tough situation. They can't really go anywhere because of COVID. They're stuck in hotel rooms. A lot of these guys haven't seen their family. Um, and a lot of these guys are considering going back to New Zealand, as, as from what I'm hearing in the next couple of weeks, guys like Ken Mamalo. Um, so it's been a bit of a ride-off season 2020. And as I said, you can't really blame it um, when you saw the COVID kind of situation start. We're just happy to see the Warriors still competing in the NRL Obviously, they sacked Steve Kearney. Um, a lot of changes there. One of the promising things for the Warriors has been the emergence of their rookies, whether it be Katoa uh, to Noah Brown. These guys have really come through and shined. So, um, and obviously, Toe Harris, who made my team of the year, has been uh, so far has been in fantastic form. So, um, the Warriors. It's going to be a long next ten weeks. They've got this. They've got the Roosters this weekend, and it could get ugly. Um, but we can't expect too much from them for the rest of the year. But hopefully 2021, they can play back in New Zealand and have a much better season. My other team that I rated a D is uh, the Gold Coast Titans, last year's Wood Spooners. They are three wins and seven losses under their new coach, Justin Holbrook, for 2020. Which is almost um, which is almost matched their wins from 25 games in 2019. Um, this Titans team 
is rated a D because obviously there wasn't much expectation from them at the start of the year. A lot of people predicted them to get the wooden spoon again. They still might, but I don't think that will happen. I think there's teams that are in plenty worse shape that I've already mentioned. Then the Titans. The frustrating thing about them is sometimes they are up to NRL standard and really, you know, fight and stay in matches. And sometimes like the second half against the Storm on Friday night, they uh, just look like they don't want to be there. Oh, they just concede very soft tries, very soft penalties, and they're just very ill-disciplined. Um, obviously, their halves have had problems as well. Fogarty is a good up-and-comer, but Ash Taylor has had trouble finding consistency and... They just don't have the roster to be, to really compete against some of the heavy hitters of the NRL. But as I said, Justin Holbrook to win three out of his first 10 games for the Titans. That is a 30% winning record for them. It's an achievement. And actually, you know, in a couple of seasons, he could be one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Gold Coast Titans because I think John Cartwright has their best winning percentage at 48%. And really, three out of 10, in my opinion, is actually overachieving for the Titans. Hence the D rating. Actually, might have been, could have gone a, bit, a little bit higher for the Titans because... As I said, no one expected them to uh, to be competitive, and they have been competitive at points so far in 2020. All right, moving on. I've got one other team in the Ds, and it might actually shock a few people, but with a D-plus rating, I've got the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, I went into this season as a Rabbitohs fan. If you didn't know, I'm a South Sydney uh, Rabbitohs supporter, but I went into this season with plenty of optimism, plenty of hope um, for our season. Obviously, we'd lost... Guys like John Sutton and Greg Inglis, um, George Bird is really experienced forwards, so I thought our forwards might be a little bit light. But I said it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I think I hit the nail on the head, um, and I think it was proven again on Saturday night against the Knights. Um, we look like superstars against the the lower-ranked teams like the Warriors, like the Cowboys, like the Bull- uh, Bulldogs, all these teams that we verse, like the Titans. But then we verse a top-eight team or a team that has the potential to top-eight, and we go missing and we really don't show up. Um, and it's very disappointing because the Rabbitohs, as I said, at times can look like stars, and other times um, we just look we just look like we don't want to be there. Uh, we can see a lot of points. I mean, we're still averaging 17.4 points scored against us around. Our attack can be good, but we just give teams too much of a head start. Like we gave the Knights on Saturday night, they went up to a 20-0 lead. And when you're giving teams 20-0 starts, it's not going to work out well for them. I think it's safe to say the Latrell Mitchell experiment, even though he's out suspended at the moment, I think it's safe to say that hasn't worked. Um, Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker haven't really fired so far this year. We need them to step up if uh, we're going to make an impact in 2020. Um, so a lot to improve um, for the City Rabbitohs, and they're going to have to be a hell of a lot better if there are any chance um, in the rest of 2020. Moving on now to the C ratings. All right, moving into the Cs now, and these are the teams that are definitely contenders for the finals, um, but they're the sides that have struggled with consistency, um, and we're going to start with the Cronulla Sharks in the middle of the pack, and they get a C- minus from me for their season so far. Um, and that is mostly because of the fact that they are very inconsistent. As I said, I mean, they uh, their start of the season, they've been rocky. I mean, the expectations on them at the start of the year weren't exactly too high. I mean, Matt Moylan coming back from injury, they put a lot of faith on him, and then he got injured. And we at the start of the year, we really called for Sean Johnson to get into some form and really help Chad Townsend control this team, which he has done well. Uh, but, of course, they lost uh, Josh Morris after the first two rounds, and... Uh, Bronson Cherry, obviously his scandal, um, which we'll see him 
miss a fair few years for doping. Um, but uh, they definitely are a team that are hidden some form, and I thought they really had a chance to cement that in last week's game against Penrith, uh, where they did not show up. Uh, but they bounced back this week against the Warriors. So they're very inconsistent side. They remind me a lot of the Rabbitohs, where they'll beat a lot of the teams that uh, aren't particularly playing too well, and they get a challenge, and they just uh, fall at it. You look at them, their attack, they do score a lot of points. Uh, they're actually the second-highest-scoring team in the NRL. Um, they average uh, 25.6 points a game, which is pretty huge. Um, so they know how to score points, and Sean Johnson has been back to his be- damaging best. best. Young Katoa out there on the wing has been fantastic as well, so it's Jesse Ramian in the centres. Uh, but their defence, uh, they do leak 20 points a game um, at least, um, and that's pretty evident when the Panthers put a good uh, 56 points on them uh, two weeks ago. So uh, with the, the Sharks, they're definitely a team to make the. They're definitely a team that can make the top eight. They just need to be a lot more consistent. Um, and uh, they've got a big game this week against the Dragons. So at this point in the season, I'm giving them a C-. Um, they're definitely in the mix, but I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to make the top eight from this point out. All right, moving on to uh, the other team that I've got at a C- minus at the moment. That is the Manly Seagulls. Now, Manly, um, they've definitely had an up and down season. They struggled um, the first week. Uh, they, they struggled the first you know, couple of weeks to really hit some form. It was that round two game against the Roosters that they won nine to eight. Both teams didn't particularly play good, but it really set the stage uh, for the next couple of weeks. They went on a winning streak against the Bulldogs. Uh, they went went on a winning streak where they beat the Bulldogs um, and a couple of other teams. They lost to the Eels very controversially, but they were really in some good form at the start of the year. Then, of course, uh, Tommy Chiroyevich and Dylan Walker both were seriously injured. They're going to be out for another two to three weeks at least for them. Um, and it's really tested the character of this Manly team. They had a, a couple of very disappointing performances, uh, particularly against the Dragons a fortnight ago, and they lost 34-6. Uh, but that showed some real heart um, last week. And in that game against Newcastle a few weeks ago as well, um, they did beat the Eels last weekend. They did just lose the Knights, but they were probably the better team in that game. Um, and they're really trying to win games on the back of their defense. Their attack is still struggling. They did score 22 points against the Eels, but a lot of it was some individual brilliance or some mistakes by Parramatta. Not really working as a team, and it's not really right um, in their attack, which I don't think will be fixed until Tron Vorovic and Dylan Walker come back. They get a C-minus just because um, they're definitely a threat in this competition. They can definitely really make a late-season push to make the finals, and if they make the finals and they're fully fit, they can potentially make a run towards a premiership. But it's the inconsistency um, I mean, even with Tommy and Dylan Walker, if mainly play like they did a couple for a couple of weeks there, they're not going to be a threat at the end of the year. They need to be a lot more consistent. Um, at times, they can be fantastic in defense, and then at times, they can just let soft tries in. Um, and obviously, their attack is going to suffer until Tommy and Dylan Walker get back. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting 10 weeks for Manly. It's a very important game this week against the Cowboys because I believe they are... What are they mainly? They're five wins, five losses now. So if they can manage to beat the Cowboys with their um, interim coach, new interim coach in Josh Hannay leading them, um, leading the Cowboys, if Des Hazel's Manly Seagulls can beat them this week, we've got a long way to, um, you know, having a positive record until Dylan Walker and Tommy come back and really can fix their attack. So um, it's going to be very interesting. They had a big test against Penrith in a fortnight as well, but I get mainly a C- at this point of the season. 
All right, moving into uh, the just normal season now. The teams that I've given a C to, the middle of the pack teams, um, expectation and performance-wise, uh, and it is the St. George Illawarra Dragons um, that have a C from me um, so far this season. Dreadful start to the year, obviously. They're really struggling. Um, didn't win many games at all. I think they won out of five to start their season. Um, there was course for Paul McGregor to get sacked after that 22-2 loss against the Cowboys. Um, they had crisis meetings where they decided to keep Paul McGregor until the, at least the end of this season. Um, and they'll assess their options a bit later. Since that point, the Dragons have turned it around and they've won, um, I believe it's been, what, four out of their last five? Or three out of their last four? They've been absolutely outstanding. Let's just have a look. Um, not great radio, I know, but let's just have a look um, at their game. So they lost in round four, 22-2 against the Bulldogs. Since then, they've beaten the Sharks. Um, they've beaten the Titans. They lost to the Roosters. But they had a pretty good effort. They lost to the Raiders, but a pretty good effort. Um, they beat Manly and they beat the Bulldogs. So four out of the six um, since that crisis meeting with McGregor, they've really turned their season around um, in a good way. Matt Dufty's hit some good form, um, very good passing game. As I said, I still have question marks about his defense and his long-term future at fullback, but he's playing well. Ben Hunt's been really good since he's come back into the starting team. Moved the hooker, uh, moved the starting hooker position with Cameron Kinnis going back to lock, um, and Clune's been outstanding since coming into first grade as well. They've always had a solid forward pack, but for the Dragons, it's just about consistency. They look like they're finally getting some consistency. But saying that, it was a tough scare last week against the Bulldogs. They got a big game this week against Cronulla coming up, um, and their hopes for the rest of the season, as I said, just. It all goes off with consistency, uh, being better than last week and really showing up for each other. And we'll see if the Dragons have the medal to make the top eight, but I think they've definitely put themselves back in their mix. And if they win this week against the Sharks, they will go to five wins, six losses, which makes a huge game against the Rabbitohs in round 12. So the next couple of weeks is going to be really telling did the Dragons make the finals. But uh, expectation-wise, they didn't have huge expectations on them at the start of the year, but... You know, you'd always thought they'd be around that 7th to 10th mark, and they're starting to live up to that. So I'll give them a C so far for their season uh, in 2020, the Dragons. All right, moving on to the other team that I gave a C, and that is the Canberra Raiders. And the Raiders are obviously coming off a huge win against the Sydney Roosters, but it's been a t- uh, team that has really struggled to live up to the hype uh, since the grand final of last season. Um they did obviously defeat the Roosters, uh, but it's going to be very interesting. They can back that up because it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but um, they definitely had a reason to get up for that game against the Roosters this week, and they've really been seriously hurt by injuries um, to guys like John Bateman, Corey Horsburgh, Bailey Simonson, uh, Josh Hodgson, their captain out for the season. Uh, so all those guys getting injured has really hurt their campaign. They've Got the signing of George William, who really added some control in the early rounds. has been really solid for the entire season so far. Um, but it's always hard to back up such a good season. Um, and they had a great season in 2019. And they really uh, had the premiership threat and the premiership contender um, around them, those kind of terms around them in 2020. And uh, I'm not saying they failed to deliver. Um, but they've really struggled at times during the season. They've still got a positive record. Their six wins and four losses, and that win against the Roosters was huge. Don't take anything away from it. But I think it's safe to say that a lot of people have expected more from the Raiders so far in 2020. They were my premiership prediction um, to win the comp. Obviously, I said last week, I don't know if they can win the comp. I'm now backflipping on that again and saying they can definitely still win the comp. Um, 
if they play like they did against the Roosters every week, they're definitely going to be up there in contenders and probably still make the top four. But as I said, it's all about consistency, and it's going to be very hard to lift week to week with so many injuries. So um, there is a chance John Bateman will return this week, going off the 4 o'clock team list. He's been named um, outside the 17, but he's been named a long shot to take his place. So when they get back, him back in the next couple of weeks, um, if they play well um, and they really hit their form, which this could be the start of something brilliant for the uh, Raiders that went against the Roosters, they could really make a late-season push. But at the moment, I've got them as a C rating so far this year. All right, moving on, and the last of the C teams, the C-rated teams for me, is the West Tigers, who have given a C-plus uh, for their performance so far this year. They've definitely uh, overachieved at points during the years, but uh, another team that is extremely inconsistent. Um, they had a real chance to prove their uh, finals credentials against the Panthers a few weeks ago. Um, they were in the game defensively, and then some stupid errors and some Terrible discipline by guys like Joseph Leilua. Really put them out of that game, and the Panthers end up putting them to the sword. Um, so they need to be a lot better um, in the big match matches, the Tigers. They obviously come off a huge win against the Broncos, where they beat them 48-0 last week. Um, but, as I said, when they're versing the... I don't know if they've got the, the muster and the discipline to really go up. Uh, discipline in attack and discipline, obviously, in uh, getting penalised and stuff like that. Um, the mental toughness to go up against the top teams of the NRL. So uh, the Tigers, they're overachieving due to the fact that they might finally break their final streak, um, but they've still got a long way to go to prove that they're contenders in this competition. So hence the C-plus rating. All right, from this point onwards, the B teams and the A teams, these are the teams that have really overachieved in 2020 and are definitely all premiership contenders. Um, all these teams are the only teams that I think have a uh, shot at making the uh, winning the grand final this season, apart from one team, um, and it's the first team I'm about to mention. I've got Canberra ahead of them, but overall expectations, they're really, um, really overachieved so far this year, and that is the first team that I give a B to. That is the Newcastle Knights, and the Knights are a team um, that have positioned themselves uh, in a very good position to make the finals. They are currently in the top four, overtaking the Roosters with that win against the Rabbitohs on Saturday night, um, which taken the, has taken their record to six wins, three losses, and one draw so far in 2020. Uh, it's been a really good season, a very good uh, opening season uh, for Adam Brown. Uh, Adam, sorry, Adam Brown. Adam O'Brien after the uh, sacking and the departure of Nathan Brown last year. Um, they were so close to making the finals last year and really uh, kind of just petered out near the end of the season, uh, but this season they look like they've got that fix. Caelan Ponga, for most of the season, has been in fantastic form. Mitchell Pearce um, has been getting back to his best football lately as well after a dynamic um, and explosive start to the season. Their forward pack, their New South Wales forward pack led by Clemo and Saifidi, and those guys have really been stepping up as well. Lachlan Given and Bradman Best. A lot of talent at Newcastle, um, and at times they've shown um, their potential, and they've really shown a lot of talent, and they've been able to take it uh, against. Uh, been able to take it up against some of the best teams in the competition, but they're another team that lacks consistency, um, and they were on a little bit of a downward spiral before that win against the Rabbitohs. Um, and I think that game really highlighted uh, Newcastle this season. They played really good for 50 minutes, then they dropped off, and they, the Rabbitohs almost won their game. So, what we're looking for for Newcastle to you know be a Premiership contender this year is consistency and really playing for the 80 minutes and. I don't know if they have put a full 80-minute performance 
this season, but they definitely are playing over expectations and a really good season so far for the Newcastle Knights. Let's hope they can keep it up and play finals football in 2020. All right, moving on to my other B team, and it is last year's premiers, the Sydney Roosters. And why are the Roosters so low? Um, which they are really low. They're the fourth highest rated team on my uh, gradings, but they're fourth because of, as I take a drink of water, they're fourth because uh, the lack of uh, consistency that they're also showing. I mean, they're such a world-class team, the Roosters. They're one of the best teams we've seen in a very long time in the competition when they're at their best. In 2018 and 2019, they were really at their best. They did struggle a little bit at the start of 2018 before they got their act together. Um, the second half of the season and ended up beating the Storm, dominating them in the grand final. Um, last season, they were pretty great for a But this season is a little bit different for me. I mean, they've lost... Um, the leadership of Cooper Cronk, and I think, I don't know, I just get a really different feeling about the Roosters this season. I mean, you look at their attack, they're averaging 28 points a game, um, absolutely outstanding, But and the defense is really good as well. I only conceded 13 points a match so far this season, but you just see it matches. Like, you look at the last couple of weeks, and they lost to the Raiders 24-20, to um, and then two weeks before that, they, of course, lost to Melbourne. Actually, yeah, two weeks before that, they lost to Melbourne 27-25. and 25. So they won one out of their past three games. And they were in an opportunity to beat the Raiders in the Storm, but they just seemed to drop off, drop off concentration at moments. The Roosters are a little bit concerning, in my opinion. Obviously, they've got all these stars in the world. Tedesco's playing almost as good as he did last year. The Morrises are in incredible form. Kyle Flanagan's really maturing as a playmaker. Um, and their forward pack's always been really good as well. But the thing for me about the Roosters is we know how hard it is to win back-to-back premierships in the NRL. To go three premierships in a row is uh, an, another level of difficulty. And uh, I just feel like there's other teams that want it more. And I feel like the Roosters, while they really want it, and they got players out there that are playing great football, and they're gonna, there's no question they're going to go deep in the finals. They could make another green final this year. Um, it's a very, very high possibility. They could win the premiership again this year. Another huge possibility. However... Um, as I said, at times they seem like they lack that ability to finish a match when they're versing the best teams. Obviously, when they're versing people against like the Bulldogs and stuff, they just go on a, uh, and the Broncos, they just go on a, a tacky win streak, a tacky streak where they just uh, look unstoppable. But in the tight games, they seem to you know lose focus at points um, and and sometimes struggle to control the game. But obviously, that's only the first ten weeks of the round, uh, ten weeks of the year. And the Roosters are such a strong team. They're a world-class team, and they're going to be there at the back end of the season. But expectations at the start of the year, you look, you go, uh, who do you think is going to be winning after 10 rounds? You would, you would have said the Sydney Roosters. And they're not at the moment. They're 6-4, and four, um, which doesn't highlight how good they've been in 2020. But at the same time, they need to win their matches, and they've only won 60% so far in 2020. So that is why they're a B rate, uh, ranking so far this year. All right, moving on to the A's, and these are the top three teams on the competition ladder at the moment, if you haven't realized, and that is uh, the Storm, the Eels, and the Panthers, and that is the order that I've got them. I've got the Eels and the Storm, both rated an A, and uh, first we're going to look at the Storm, and uh, the Storm have been, um, well, they've been the professionals of the NRL for a long time. Craig Bellamy really knows to get his team up and forward. They've only lost two games this season, and Craig Bellamy expects greatness, and uh, any time they haven't delivered that during the season, Craig Bellamy just gave them the kick up the ass that they need, and they are... There's a reason why they are the professionals in the NRL. They play for each other. Um, Cameron Smith in fantastic form. 
uh, Munster Jerome Hughes playing out their skins, Ryan Pabahouse, and doesn't show too much uh, signs of second-year syndrome in their forward pack. Um, is really aiming up and causing defensive teams pressure. Um, as I said, there's not much to say about Melbourne. They're up here every year. They're going to be premiership contenders. They're going to be really tough to beat again in 2020. Um, and, you know, they're defensively, they're always outstanding. They've got the second-best defense in the competition uh, in 2020. They only let 12.8 points in a match. Um, they score 23 points a match, which is one of the best uh, attacking stats of the year as well so far. So we all know the Storm are going to be there for the long haul. I really think they're in a good position to win the premiership from this point. Of course, the last couple of years, they have dropped off when it comes to the finals, but there's not too much negative to say about the Storm this season. Um, apart from the fact that uh, it's crazy to say this, but apart from Cameron Smith and Cameron Munster, um, there's I think there's other teams with stronger rosters of superstars in their side, um, but we all know what we're going to get from the Storm. Consistency, consistently good. Um, there's been times this year where they haven't been perfect, but even a non-perfect Storm team is better than 90% of teams in this competition. So the Storm, uh, great effort in 2020. We all know they're a premiership for it. They get an A rating from me. So do Parramatta, as I said. Uh, they have absolutely um, exceeded any expectations that majority of people had for them for 2020. I did predict them to be in the top four uh, at the end of the season. A lot of people had high expectations for them. But for majority of 2020, they've been outstanding. Um, of course, they suffered a loss last weekend against Manly, which uh, wasn't great. They didn't show up. They've been missing Mitchell Moses a little bit. Um, Dylan Brown has really stood up and he's absent, but they're still missing his game management a little bit. Um, but really, the whole team's firing. Clint Gustin's really stepped up this season. Um, Sevo's shown some good form as well. Madison's been a revelation in the second row for him, and so has Regan Kimmel-Gillard. So their forward signings, Really doing a good job, and Reed Mahoney at a dummy half has been outstanding. So the Eels, uh, they get an A just because, instead of an A+, plus because everybody knows how outstanding they've been this year, but they get an A from me just because I feel like when they're versing the, the real top teams, um, you look at their two losses this year, um, and they lost to the Roosters, and they were really in that game for a long period of time. Um, for 60, 65 minutes, it was really close, and the Roosters ran away with it a bit at the end, and they lost to Manly. Uh, last weekend, you can just see at times um, if things start going wrong for the Eels, they don't know they they will stick in the game and they'll they'll fight and they'll they'll play it tough. They I just don't know if they're behind and things go against them if they can come back and win matches. And it's a little bit concerning because at the moment the way the Eels have flied so far and has been so good so far in 2020, anything less than a premiership for this side that has been um, you know in a premiership drought since 1986 would be disappointing for the Eels fans. And the Eels fans have been very uh, long sufferers and haven't had much success over the last 20 years to celebrate two grand final losses being, you know, the exception. Um, but they're in, the, they're, they're in the contest. They're definitely a premiership contender. Hopefully things go right for the rest of the year for the Eels. Who knows? We could be finally crowned in premiers in 2020. Um, but... As I said, when things start going wrong, they just need to hang in there and, uh, in my opinion, show a little bit um, more resiliency to fight back in matches. So um, that's why they are rated an A. If you haven't figured it out, my top team on the rating is the Penrith Panthers. Uh, I personally, uh, I think, I can't remember. I have to go back and check my ratings, but I might have had them 8th or completely, or coming ninth or 10th this season, but they have been absolutely outstanding. Um, in my opinion, Nathan Cleary is the form player of the competition. He has really been leading this side around well. Dylan Edwards at the fullback position in fantastic form. Jerome Luai 
is a good young kid in their forward pack. Some of their veterans, James Fisher-Harris, Isaiah Yo. These guys are just playing out of their skin. Appy Chorus, I haven't even mentioned. He's the boy of the year. As I said to my team of the uh, year so far, he's been absolutely outstanding. They have a real, t- real chance to win the premiership. I think they've basically locked up a top four spot if you look at their rest of their, uh, the rest of their run home. They've got one win and one loss. They're eight wins, one draw, one loss uh, to their name. Their draw was against Newcastle without Nathan Cleary, which they still fought valiantly. They probably should have got the two points there, but it was a good fight back by Newcastle um, to stop that from happening. Their loss um, is... I'm struggling to remember their loss. Sorry, it's been a it's been a long day. Uh, obviously, against Parramatta, they'll win a 10-0 in that game, and Parramatta just got in the back of them. Um, so very encouraging signs by Penrith that they really stay in fights against the top heavyweights this year. They've got a win over Melbourne and a win over the Roosters to their name in 2020, and they're a real shot of uh, breaking their premiership during out of 17 years um, themselves. Um, and I'm really happy with what I'm seeing. They might not win the premiership this year, but they're really showing leaps and, f- and beyonds Penrith, and they have the opportunity to become a premiership heavyweight um, for the next decade. So... Very promising signs by Penrith and that real team on the up. And they, in my opinion, are the form team of the NRL for the first half of the year. And that's why they've got an A-plus rating. So that is my rankings for each individual NRL team from A to F uh, at the halfway point of the season. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, if it's been too long for you, let me know in the comments below. Before we get to my round 11 tips we're about to get to, I'm going to do one more prediction, and that is predicting the ladder for the rest of the season. I'm not really going to get into the descriptions for this because this podcast has been very long, um, and thank you guys for your continued support. So uh, my end of season NRL predicted ladder after round 20, um, I'm going to go from 16th. My wooden spooner prediction is the Canterbury Bulldogs. They're four points behind. It's going to be half of them to come back. So the Bulldogs 16th, the Warriors 15th, the Cowboys 14th, the Titans 13th, the Broncos 12th, the Tigers 11th, the Dragons 10th, the Sharks 9th. That is my top eight. Uh, but that is my bottom eight prediction. Now we're going to my top eight. In eighth spot, I've got the South Sydney Rabbitohs. At seventh, I've got the Manly Seagulls. Sixth, I've got the Newcastle Knights. Fifth, I've got the Canberra Raiders. The top four, I've got the Aroost- Sydney Roosters at fourth, the Parramatta Eels at third, the Penrith Panthers at second, and my minor premiers are the Melbourne Storm. If that is all going to happen, which I'm sure it won't, but if it does, uh, it, may, it means the first week of the finals will be um, fifth versus eighth in elimination, the Canberra Raiders versus the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The Newcastle Knights and Manly would be the other elimination uh, final there. And then the two uh, top four matches would be the Storm versus the Roosters and the Panthers versus the Eels blockbuster final matches. Um, as I said... I think the Raiders are a real shot in 2020, but at the uh, but obviously their injuries have taken a toll on them. My predicted grand final at the midway point, which might change um, after the end of the regular season, and we're going to look back at this post round 20. But my end of uh, my end of season prediction for the grand final at this point is the Storm versus the Eels. Um, so lock that in. All right, uh, let's go into the footy tips for round 11 quickly. Steve's NRL footy tips for round 11. Let's head to it. And the round all starts on Thursday night with an absolute blockbuster when the Parramatta Eels will take on the West Tigers from Bankwest Stadium. The Eels coming off only their second loss of last uh, of the year last weekend against the Manly Seagulls, 22-18 in that game. The West Tigers, of course, coming off an absolute flogging against the Brisbane Broncos 
In this one, I've got the Eels uh, being too strong. They've got the return of Ryan Madison, Mitchell Moses, uh, Ferguson's back, Sevo's back. Uh, they've got a lot of guys on board. Um, they're going to be very hard to beat uh, this weekend. Uh, the Tigers, it's all about consist for, consistency for them. So hopefully they uh, learnt a lot last weekend against the Broncos. And I was really impressed with the combination between Billy Walters and Benji Marshall. They are versing one of the benchmarks of the competition, however, and I've got the Eels by six points in this match. Moving on to the Friday night uh, game, and we've got the North Queensland Cowboys taking on the Manly Seagulls from Queensland at Country Bank Stadium here. Uh, and the Cowboys, well, they've got a new coach. Um, after last weekend, Paul McGreen seen the door, shown the door, and Josh Hannay will be stepping up as the new interim coach for the rest of the season while the Cowboys search for a full-time coach. Uh, Manly, of course, they had a great win last week against the Eels. They looked down and out with 20 minutes to go. They really hung on um, and managed to defend that win out. Um, the Eels weren't at their best, but it was a really encouraging performance by Manly considering uh, the disappointing last month that they've had since the injuries to Tom Zorovich and Dylan Walker. Uh, this is a real danger game for them, in my opinion, because the North Queensland Cowboys are going to be very desperate after last weekend. It wasn't a bad performance against Penrith, but they couldn't get the job done. Um, under a new coach, in front of their home crowd, I expect a much better performance. And uh, I actually think the Cowboys can uh, take the upset in this game with the Cowboys by two points, but it's definitely a match that could go either way. Um, so the Cowboys by two is my prediction in that one. The third game of the round comes at 7.55 on Friday night, Friday night football, uh, when the terrible uh, Brisbane Broncos take on the Melbourne Storm. Uh, in my opinion, there's only one way this match is going to go, and it's going to be a Melbourne 13-plus victory. Uh, the only question is, what Broncos team are we going to get? Are we going to get a Broncos team that is uh, going to be very desperate and looking to... Well, they're going to be very desperate every way, but we're going to get a Broncos team that are going to be in the fight um, and can stop Melbourne's onslaught early, or are Melbourne just going to get over the top of them and win this game by 40 or 50 points? That's the only real question for me. Looking at their team list, they've got Dearden finally in the starting team with Croft. Um, they've got a young kid uh, who I can't remember his name, Tyson Gamble, actually young Tyson Gamble on their uh, on their bench, and Anthony Milford's going back to fullback. Darius Boyd in the centres, and to me, it's just all wrong. I mean, Seaboyd has been told, as I said, he's got to win five of his last ten games by the Daily Telegraph, making minimal changes, which obviously they're dropping their fullbacks a big one, but putting Anthony Milford there instead of dropping him, um, and really keep a majority of the same 17, is that really the answer right now? They need to make huge changes. And Seaboard is showing a lot of faith in a team that has not been performing for him, and I think it's going to backfire. I've got the Storm in this game by 28 points. All right, moving on to my favorite time of the week, Super Saturday, and uh, at 3 o'clock from Central Coast Stadium, the New Zealand Warriors take on the Sydney Roosters. And I think there could be another blowout coming, a second blowout in a row during the round, because I think the Roosters will win this game. Obviously, I think it's just a matter of how many points they win it by. Trent Robertson won't be happy with how the Roosters uh, ended last weekend with that loss to the Raiders. They were definitely in a position to win that game. And the Warriors, well, we've already talked about their season um, and how, you know, it's been really tough on on everybody, and hopefully they stay in the fight for a little while, but they've got the Roosters by 40 points. I just think it's going to be a one-way traffic, and I think the Roosters are going to be way too good. Um, I'd be betting on the Morris brothers both to score tries in this game if I was you guys, um, which could factor into my bet of the week a little bit later. Uh, moving on to the 5.30 game. As I said, I'm just trying to get through these games quickly because I know I've kept you guys for a long time, and 
Um, we're just going to go uh, the Sharks versus the Dragons from uh, Jubilee Stadium. The Strata, the Sharks home game because they're playing from uh, Jubilee at the moment. But obviously, Cogra is a home ground. The Dragons, it is the local derby. The Sharks are hitting some form um, and were really good in that win against the Warriors. Probably their most complete performance so far this year. The Dragons also hitting some good form as well. They just survived against the Bulldogs. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better this week, and I think they're going to be a lot have to be a lot better because they're versing nearly any other team. They probably would have lost that game last weekend, but uh, I'd really like to see their playmakers take more control. Corey Norman needs to be uh, better in controlling the match, and uh, I think Ben Hunt can really step up and playmakers. We're putting too much pressure on himself because he's playing some good footwear at a hooker. I think he has to take some more responsibility as well. But I've got the Dragons being a little bit too strong for the Cowboys. It's going to be a tight contest. Uh, Dragons being too strong for the Sharks. It's going to be a tight contest. Um, Sean Johnson is in outstanding form at the moment. Uh, and the players are just gathering around him. But I've got the Dragons by four points in this one. Moving on to the 7.30 Saturday game now. And I've got the, we've got the Canberra Raiders versus the South Sydney Rabbitohs from GIO Stadium down there in Canberra. And the Rabbitohs had a real opportunity yet again to... Uh, really show that they can compete against the top eight teams and uh, really prove that they are going to be a tough team to beat for a team that will be on their way to the premiership. But they failed to do that. Um, they were really disappointing for the first 50 to 60 minutes of that game. The tempo just seemed really too fast for them. They really struggled to uh, match the pace of the Knights. Um, but they're going to have to be a lot better this weekend because the Raiders, uh, they've had their injury concerns this year, but they were... Uh, Severe underdogs last weekend in that game against the Roosters, and they really lifted um, the uh, the emotion and the occasion might have got to them and really lifted the team. But overall, it was a fantastic performance by the Raiders. We'll see if they can back it up this weekend. John Bateman's an outside re- chance to return for the Raiders. Most likely, it will be next weekend's, but he is a slight chance. Um, obviously, for the Raiders, it's all about building on this win and really hitting some form. And that could lead um, to making the grand final for a second consecutive year. And that starts against the Rabbitohs this weekend. It's going to be a good game, this one. Um, if the Rabbitohs can match the intensity of the Raiders early in the game, which they couldn't against the Knights last weekend, we're going to be in for a real arm wrestle. Um, but I think the Raiders will just be a little bit too strong. I've got the Raiders by two points. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think the Rabbitohs will be a lot better after last weekend. But the Raiders, they're on the up at the moment. I've got the Raiders by two in that one. All right, heading to the last two games of the weekend. How quick are these? Uh... These tips flew. If I did this podcast this short, uh, if I did my tips this short every weekend, the podcast would be a lot uh, shorter. But uh, the Newcastle Knights take on the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. Now I said that the uh, I said that the Roosters versus the Warriors and the Storm versus the Broncos would both be blowouts. I think this is another potential blowout. Um, Newcastle really hidden their straps after last weekend um, against the Rabbitohs. Um, and, and really the last couple performances, uh, well, the first 60 minutes of that game, the really the couple performances before that weren't fantastic. Uh, but I think the Knights are another team that are on the up and they're going to really get a real confidence boost out of that win against the Rabbitohs, uh, despite the ending. And the Bulldogs are a team, they were a lot better last weekend with their new coach, Steve George Arles, but were not good enough. They'll be uh, pretty resilient in this game in defense, I think, in the first half, but the Knights should have a bit too much for them. I expect the Knights to win this one pretty comfortably. The Knights by 30 points, which leads us to another uh, match this weekend where I think it could be a blowout. That is the Gold Coast Titans versus the Penrith Panthers. The uh, Panthers are missing a few this weekend. Appy Corsia, 
um, and Fisher Harris that I both think are not playing as far as I'm aware. Let me just double check that on the team list. Corsia definitely has not been named in the 21. The directors might be a little bit of an elbow injury there. Um, Fisher Harris has been named, but he's in depth um, as well. Um, so, and Dylan Brown, uh, Dylan Edwards, who's arguably been their second best player behind Cleary, is out as well. Caleb uh, Aikens, who did a really good job at the start of the year, back in this weekend as well to cover for that uh, minor injury to Dylan Edwards. Um, but the Penrith, uh, they weren't great against the Cowboys last weekend. They didn't have to get their job done, however. The Titans have really been up and down in 2020. You never really know if they're going to, you know, be up to first grade standard on each and every week. But I think they will uh, take it to Penrith a little bit in the early stages of this game. But I've got Penrith being too strong. at Penrith by 22 in this game, which makes, uh, I think there's four games that I think could potentially be floggings. But that is my tips of the week. We're going to quickly go to my bet of the week, which uh, after planning, you know, some of these podcasts, I definitely haven't planned this part of it. But my bet of the week at the moment, we're going to throw twenty-five dollars straight on uh, the straight on the dragons at two dollars five. I think you can double your money there pretty easily. Let's go a crazy one for the other twenty-five bucks. We'll put in Parramatta one to twelve against the Tigers at three dollars. We'll put in uh, the Cowboys one to twelve against Manly. We'll chuck in both. The Morris brothers to uh, put in Brett Morris first try scorer in the game against the Warriors, and that gives us those three legs will give you fifty nine dollars. And if we put twenty five bucks on this, which I'm actually going to have to, because this is kind of ridiculous, you're looking at fourteen hundred and eighty five dollars. So the Parramatta one to twelve against the Tigers, the Cowboys one to twelve against Manly, Brett Morris first try scorer in their game against the Warriors. Fourteen hundred and eighty-five dollars off twenty-five bucks. If you can put put that on, even if you put ten bucks on, you're still looking at five hundred and ninety bucks if it gets up. So, uh, my bets of the week haven't been, you know, too consistently great this year, but uh, I think that could be a good one. Um, and hopefully, this week is the week that we do get our perfect round for the first time this year. Um, it'd be funny if it's the week that I didn't really focus on the tips too much that I get a perfect round. But uh, anyway, guys, thank you for listening. As always. As I said at the start of the podcast, please like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. If you haven't, please like and subscribe to this podcast, whether it be on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Cast Breakers, anywhere you listen to this podcast. Have a great weekend watching the footy, and I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this week's halfway point mid-season review of the NRL Telstra Premiership 2020.